What's up, Nation? AJ Riley here for another edition of Beyond the Box. This week, I have my good friend and football guru, Dylan Bear, on with us to discuss football. We're going to talk about the top five running backs in the NFL heading into the 2022 season. And then we got a little free agency and who can have a Matthew Stafford type career resurrection with their new team discussion too but before we get to that dylan you have a new show that's going to be debuting here for detroit sports nation at the end of the week do you want to give everybody a quick little snippet of what that show is going to be absolutely we have a fantasy show coming out it's going to be starring myself not really starring i want obviously a lot of interaction from everybody on that Basically, what we're going to be doing is covering all types of fantasy sports. It's not just football related, even though obviously there's going to be a heavy amount of that going into the end of the summer with fantasy drafts coming up. But baseball, basketball, hockey, any of that kind of stuff is the things that we'll be covering. Waiver wire pickups, how to draft in our big one that's going to be coming up here real soon. The first episode is going to be about what it is that the trends and the tactics that you should be doing going into your fantasy draft. So stay tuned, and we will get you a winner, guaranteed, hopefully. (laughs) So that's going to be really interesting because how are you going to guarantee me a winner when we're in the same league? That's the thing is I hope (laughs) that most of my league rivals are not paying attention. I will be, for sure. I'll take all the help I can get when it comes to fantasy sports, how my season went. In yeah. our fantasy league last year, which was oh, not not I did not have a bad team, but I had a very unlucky, unlucky yes, team. I think I scored some of the most points per week, but got outscored in those weeks. It was ridiculous. But hey, the past is past. Yeah. Let's let bygones, and we will yeah, we'll keep see. moving forward into 2022. And in 2022, Dylan, there's a quarterback in the NFL that's going to be defending. A Super Bowl, a guy that we know quite well around these parts named Matthew Stafford. And everybody nowadays is starting to take notice of what we knew when he was in Detroit. At least some of us knew, myself included yeah. in that. I believe you're on you're in that camp as well. You were a yes, very Stafford. Much so. Yeah, okay. But the conversation is which free agents have the possibility to have to put people on notice in their new situation. Maybe they come out of a toxic situation and are going to a better situation. Maybe they were overshadowed and now are the man. And so who can have that type of season this year? So the impetus for why we're even talking about this, just a little bit of context, is that you and I both, and definitely a lot of people, especially if you follow Detroit Sports Nation on TikTok, there was a the TikTok was going around that everybody is familiar with at this point. It's Matthew Stafford's comeback that he had against, I believe it was the Cleveland Browns, it where was. he dislocated his left shoulder. One of the most gnarly things I've ever seen. But it, just watching that was a reminder for myself again that Matthew Stafford's situation clearly defined how people perceived him. And the minute that he goes to the Los Angeles Rams, he's skyrocketing up. Some people have him at six. I think it's absurd. He's one or two. In my mind, that just depends on what you value in your QBs. He was top five uh, for Eric and myself last week. He was definitely top go. five QB in the NFL. So if you want Beautiful. correct sports opinions, you come to Detroit <laughs> Sports Nation. There you go. So with that in mind, obviously the question then becomes who else 
had it where they were either in a situation like Stafford where the team was hampering what how they were able to succeed, things like that. And so I have a list here of quite a few guys that I'm going to be a racket balling back to, to uh, AJ and we're going to wrap on those. And the first one that comes up, and it's a name that I know that a lot of people are done with at this point, they keep hearing over and over again that this guy's going to be great from when he was in Jacksonville to when he was traded to the Raiders. And now he has been traded again from the Raiders to the Indianapolis Colts, which is important. Yannick Ngakwe. I can already hear the unanimous eye rolls happening. I understand that every year we hear Yannick Ngakwe is special. He has intangibles. I, but I, especially considering the scheme that he's going to, AJ, that is the reason why I have on my list as one of these guys, Yannick Ngakwe, having either a breakout season or where we'll finally see that this guy is finally living up to what everybody tells us that he is. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I tend to believe if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it's a duck. <laughs> and Ngakwe's had these duck kind of seasons. So does a change of scenery help him? Maybe it does. Maybe the scheme in Indianapolis is going to help him. But, look, am I looking for it? Am I going to be surprised by it? Yeah, I would be surprised by it based on what he's produced so far and given the eye rolls that this name is going to bring (laughs) up when we do bring it up. uh, I'm going to go with a hard no on this one i would like to remind just for anybody who forgot part of the reason why we are even having these discussions is because of obviously scheme fit what have you now some people obviously would say oh he had that one year in baltimore and he didn't succeed so why would he now uh part of it is obviously being able to be amongst players darius leonard is going to be extremely helpful for him but also what is going to help out and this brings me to my next player is stefan gilmore who under New England Patriots, I argued, was the best cornerback in the NFL for at least two seasons, and he dropped off. He did. He dropped off pretty heavily. He went to the Buffalo Bills, if I'm not mistaken, which they are not bereft of secondary help. Or I'm sorry, reverse that, because he was in Buffalo first, then he went to New England. That's my bad. But either way, more of the story is that he is going to the Colts as well. Colts are have had a traditionally very good defense under Frank Reich this entire time. It's one of the frustrations is the offense has been the problem for them, not the defense. And even though they are a bit aging, and then you ship him off for a song. So I and we'll get more into the Colts later, a little preview there for our running back. But this secondary being strong, Darius Leonard obviously being a part of this, and Gakwe I think is going to excel. And I think Stefan Gilmore will at the very least have a career resurgence to where he is respectable. I don't think he'll be New England levels again, but it will be one of those things where people will be, have the, oh, yeah, he was good. Yeah, I remember. Moment. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, and Ngakwe's success is going to directly affect Gilmore's success. Of course. Right? Because if you have quarterbacks moved off their spot and unable to throw on those timing routes, that's going to make Gilmore look better. The reverse of that is also true. Gilmore's success is also going to make Ngakwe's job and potential breakout that much more likely. So yeah. the reality is this is a tandem thing. And I don't know if you get back to the levels of what Gilmore was in New England, because I agree with you. He was a very good defensive back. But I think that it is, like you mentioned, one of those situations where they're like, 
I remember him. Yeah, he was pretty good. Mm. And he still can play a little bit. And one another thing I do want to mention on the side of Indianapolis, one thing that always inevitably is going to help out any player who is in the pass rush is when the focus is not on you. And to be fair, Indianapolis Colts, not only did they trade for DeForest Buckner, so he is on that line, but also, and this is a name that's going to perk you up a little bit, AJ, Quiddy Pay was actually quite solid last yeah. year. So you have an, a front seven and specifically a front four where you don't have to produce to those sorts of levels. It's also a defense that has a tried and true formula for these sorts of things. So I would suspect that out of the two players, Ngakwe, I feel, is going to live up to the potential that we saw in his first few years in Jacksonville. Now, moving along to a hot button topic specifically for myself, because AJ, that I think when I said one or two for Matthew Stafford, it's one A and one B, and the one B is Russell Wilson. This is exactly what this is a, identical to what has been going on with Matthew Stafford with the Lions. Seattle sure. in the post sure. Legion of Boom era has been basically incompetent. Yeah. They were worse, I would argue, than the Lions because they didn't even want to give him a line. Yeah. And, Swiss uh, cheese. It was yeah. Swiss cheese on the Pretty front much. line. <laughs> and then that Swiss cheese got your running back essentially buried. So yeah. then... Yeah, Chris Carson's injury issues. Right. So then that. Russ especially has no help. I didn't even have Russ in my top five, I'm going to be honest with you, last week. And it's not, that I, it's not that I Better. disrespect him. It's just... Ah, but clearly the situation <laughs> that he's in is what's doing right. that because there is no one who throws a better deep ball than you. No, no. No one. It's not would, close. Uh, His accuracy downfield is insane. Stafford, Stafford the, throws a better deep ball. That's why he's one. Stafford, and... hold on. I guess what I would say by better is that his deep balls are extremely accurate, which, especially in mile high, we saw what it did for Peyton Manning. You are going to have completely winded corners and secondary that if it's past 25 yards, that's going to be touchdowns. Potentially. Now I can guarantee I can guarantee you that Denver is going to have the most over 25 yard touchdowns in the entire league. It will happen. Russ is going to be throwing for over 5,000 yards. He is going to have a career resurgence here, just Peyton Manning did, maybe even better. I am I. There is no doubt in my mind. Russ is winning the MVP this year. He is winning the MVP. That team is going to win at least 12 games. And I think they're winning the division over Kansas City. And I, this situation is perfect. I don't want to go too far into the Denver thing. Way back when the big picture was still deal, we covered the AFC West. So if you have any curiosities about my feelings on that, go there for that. That's in the historical record now. <laughs> it is. And we're not going to get into that. But I – so – it's interesting that you liken Russ to Peyton and it happening in Denver. Even though, do you really think that they're on like the same level of their career when they went to Denver? That's all the more reason why I think Russ will have a better year because like, Russ is in a better position. Right, and that's where I was going. Like, for Russ, it's really hard to say, oh, he's going to have this resurgence because what's he coming back from? Everybody knew that Seattle was terrible. Everybody knew that he was doing the best he could do with what he was given. Sure, but then you guys are not having him in your top five, which is proof positive that he is out of sight, out of mind. But I just think that there's 
five quarterbacks that are better. He might throw a great deep ball, fantastic, but there's more to being a quarterback than throwing a great deep there's, ball. But he is better. The problem is that he has never had time to okay. throw ever. Fantastic. And I don't care what – this is proof of what – this is actually proof of what myself and others, Paul, again, I'll, he has mentioned in the past. That it's, obviously it doesn't matter how great your weapons are. It matters about your line infinitely 100%. more. Proof positive. He had Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett and Big Fell, the Big Fella. Uh, that's a DK Metcalf. <laughs> all I know is his muscles, McGee. But he had all those weapons and he wasn't able to do anything. And on top of that, the fact that they were even able to get into the playoffs have above 500 records is because of him and him alone. And I, if you are a Lions person who likes Stafford. How is that not dissimilar in those situations? It's dissimilar in the fact that I didn't watch Russ as much as I watched Matthew Stafford. Yeah. But uh, hey, <laughs> look, I'm not going to sit here and pull the wool over your eyes, but I'm going to tell you the truth. I watched Russ, but and it all does come down to line play because the one knock that I would say on Russ is he is very quick to escape a pocket, but he had to, right? Because and he didn't have any time. <laughs> but still, even then, like, I just, the Mahomes and the Allens and those kind of guys I put over him right now. We'll see what he does in Denver. We'll see what he does in Denver. I don't, I don't need to see. I will guarantee it. I am doing it now. He is winning the MVP. That is happening. So, moving so you on. you think that he's going to have a Matthew Stafford type year this year? Statistically speaking, I think it will be better, but to be fair, that's not Stafford's Who's fault. Who's his best weapon uh, in Denver? Stafford... Like, who would you say his best weapon is in Denver? Oh, man. Now, with the issues that are happening with Jerry Judy and his arrest, I don't know. Jerry Judy is who I would have said. Cortland Sutton's probably somebody, especially for fantasy purposes, who I would be looking at. And Tim Patrick, especially downfield. If it, it, let's be safe here. Fantasy-based perspective, if it's a Denver receiver, get them. Don't let anybody else pick them. You need to. Also, Albert Okungambwe or whatever the hell his name is, pick him up. Here. And speaking, I guess, a little bit in the fantasy perspective of this, the next guy, and this is the second individual who I am extremely high on, is Devontae Adams. I ha I would argue Devontae Adams is the best receiver in the NFL. He is an exceptional route runner. He is that, which I'll be honest, I actually value route running a lot more than whether you have fantastic hands because getting distance, especially in the NFL with the way that secondaries are have so much better athletes now, that matters. And he's going into a system, which again, go back to our AFC West preview in a situation with the Raiders that I think is phenomenal for him. Derek Carr, I'll be honest, I think is actually more of an adult than Aaron oh, Rodgers is. Sure. Like he, I, the things that Derek Carr has been able to overcome, like you were talking about your top five list. I wish I would have been around because Derek Carr would be in my top five. I think Derek Carr is phenomenal. He is a fantastic quarterback that has gone through so much, not as much as his brother did, where his brother's career literally died on the field. But he is going into a situation with an offense with Josh McDaniels now, where he's going to be putting up fantastic numbers. And he is going to be in a situation where he's going to be able to flourish a lot better with more yeah. weapons. That's honestly what's more important is that you have Josh Jacobs, who's already going to be there. And then you have, Darren oh, Waller. my God, how can I? <laughs> You're helping me out with this right now. And I appreciate it. Yes, Darren Waller being able to be a focal point that for defenses, especially in the middle of the field, that Adams, whenever he was in Green Bay, didn't really have to worry about. So. Anyways, moral of the story, Devontae Adams is my next for this. Yeah, I, 
Look, it's nice to not have to deal with the drama surrounding your quarterback every offseason. He's in a much better situation now. And, uh, right, who would have thought going from the Packers to the Raiders would be an upgrade of situation? But, right. and I always thought that Devontae was happy in Green Bay. He was a good soldier, which I respect, but. I just, I think that you're going to see, other than Devontae, who did Green Bay have? Marquez Valdez Scantling? Alan Lazard? <laughs> yeah. I can't even remember their tight ends. They had Jimmy Graham at but, one they point. They had a rotator. Right. Ro- rotator so, like, tough for <laughs> Now, with Waller being there, and the came from Hunter the Renfro. Eagles. Who came from the Eagles that was playing? Who came from the Eagles? Yeah. Doggone it. I Nelson Aguilar? Was it him? No, that's not what I'm thinking of. No, Aguilar was on he the was Raiders last year, uh, two years no. ago, I think. But anyways, point being, he's surrounded <laughs> by better talent that is going mm-hmm. to allow him to continue being one of the top three receivers in the league. Mm-hmm. It's very simple. So, I we're... Yeah, so we're in agreement on that one. I'm going to skip ahead to one that's going to be local, and it's going to perk up some ears. I got three guys left. This one, These ones will be a little quicker because I'm not super bullish on them. But uh, I think DJ Chark actually is going to have a really solid season. Chark was actually quite a good downfield threat for a while there, and Trevor Lawrence being there threw things off, ironically, for him. Rookie quarterback, obviously not able to read NFL defenses nearly as well. Telegraphing his passes way too much. You saw it. Obviously, having Urban Meyer didn't help things either. And he's coming into an offense that is definitely on the up and up, and especially until Jamison Williams is hitting the field. DJ Chark, I think, is going to have pretty solid year. Well, he needs year. to. He's got a one-year, $10 million contract. So it's yep. definitely one of those situations where prove it and get paid. So that's always going to be in the back of his mind. Now, truthfully, we talk about all these quarterbacks. I think the biggest question mark is going to be whether or not Jared Goff can get the ball to him downfield. And yes, we can rest on the laurels of one Super Bowl year that was aided by the best running game in the NFL. But... I don't trust Jared Goff to get the ball downfield. We'll see on this why again. I'm not nearly as high about it because I know and, Derek Carr. And truthfully, we talk about a I change of situation, know. right? I'd like to think that this is a much different situation than Jacksonville. I would like to think it's a much it more is. improved situation. It is. it is. But the winning's not there. So, so how does that affect a guy's mindset if you're not winning all the time? We'll see. There's a reason he's on a one-year right. deal. So He's ready to prove it to get uh, paid. This one's going to be a bit more personal, but it is not only the situation being on a winning team, so that's going to wind up obviously helping things, but Hakeem Hicks, Bear Hicks, the defensive tackle running stopper stalwart who was on the Chicago Bears for the longest time, one of my favorite players on the defensive side of the ball, serves the exact same purpose as every defensive tackle that's been in Tampa for the last four seasons at this point. He is going to do exactly what he does best, which is he is going to eat up space. He is going to stop the running game exactly in the way that they need. And everybody, now that he is not going to be on a dog bleep team anymore, 
whose offense gets 43 yards in a single game. I don't know how that's even possible. He isn't going to have that problem anymore, and he's going to be on a contending team, and everyone is going to see what I've known for the longest time, that he is the best run-stopping defensive tackle in the NFL. The best. Okay, to be when he played, he is older now. I think he's 33, 34, something like that. Obviously, Aaron Donald, you could just sure. blanket statement say that he's the best at everything. But specific, a guy who was specific in that role, there was no one better than Bear Hicks. I don't see, have any issue with that. Especially given Tampa Bay's defense and, the li- and him, Sue being on the outs yes. and him sliding right into that role that Sue held down. And he did very yeah, well in it, too. he did great in it. Going to earn himself another contract in Detroit, probably. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, no, yeah, it's you want to see guys go out on a high note, and Tampa could be the perfect situation for Hicks. And the last and another individual I'm extremely high on from Seattle, Bobby Wagner going to the Rams. This is probably number, I would say number three in terms of the watch out. It's Russ, it's Devontae Adams, Bobby Wagner going to be on the reigning Super Bowl champs, going to be in the middle of that that defense, be the captain commander that he is. The fact that they were the Rams were even able to get him this year was a complete surprise, but a definite needed one. This is one of the best signings of the offseason. Especially the defense. Yeah, very true. It works out great for the Rams, but it gives Wagner, who has gotten the rush treatment in Seattle over the last few years of just go out and play. We gave you who we gave you, just go out and play. An opportunity to play on a pretty decent, not the best defense, but a decent defense. And even probably better than de- decent. Let's be honest. They're, they won the Super Bowl last year. But you do have a bunch of players on but, that side. I mean, of the they ball. also were not. What am I thinking of? No, they weren't yeah, world that's beaters, the word, that's the exact obviously. Term I was thinking but... of thinking. They were not world beaters, but a good defense, a top eight, top, top nine defense. Yeah. And now they've added one of the better linebackers in the league, who's a little bit older too, but a great change of scenery for him to be able to. Remind people again of how great Super Bowl MVP, if I'm not mistaken, correct? No, that was, oh my God, Malcolm Smith, I believe. Random, completely random guy. I know you think that. It's not. It it was the other MLB who started for him. I'm almost certain I think it was Malcolm Smith. Double check that because I thought it was for sure Bobby Wagner. Malcolm Smith is Super Bowl MVP. I was right. It's super, I know, super random. Everyone thinks it was Bobby, but it was not. It was Malcolm Smith, who (laughs) I don't even remember. I remember Bobby Wagner. He did have a phenomenal game. But Bobby Wagner is, I'm just extremely excited. In the same vein as Russ, being able to be in that type of situation after years of not having that, to now have Mm -hmm. someone like Jalen Ramsey behind you, and to have Aaron Donald in front of you, that is perfect and that's exactly the type of way that a guy like that for sure we're gonna see and that's what's exciting about this is we are about a month away from training camp starting from mini camps football is the football is right around the corner and it's going to be fun and it's going to be exciting especially to see what these guys do in their new homes now last week dylan eric vincent and myself we ranked the top five quarterbacks and with you joining me this week, I said, mm. let's do 
with but no, no rust. rust. You're right. So now I'm giving you the opportunity to get in who Absolutely. you think are the, the best five running backs heading into the 2022 season. Okay. Now we're going to look at, it's not just, okay, 2021, whatever. There's got to be a reasoning behind this. Okay. I know, I I know that you will, (laughs) but we're looking at, and it's not even fantasy driven. We're talking specifically about who are the best running backs in the NFL to us heading into the 2022 season. We're going to work from the bottom up and I'm going to leave this question to you. Yes. We both have honorable mentions. Do we need to mention them or do we want to wait till the end? Yes. But do you want to do it now or at the end? Because I want to do it now. Honorable mentions kind of get them out of the way. We both agree on one. Austin Eckler is the best in terms of dual threats. Arguably he's actually more works more as like a slot back than he does as an actual running back, but he's phenomenal in that regard. Great offense for him as it is. Injuries are the only problem, but it's because he's extremely slight. And especially when you're talking about running backs, specific running backs, that's part of it. I, you had him as an honorable mention for injury purposes. I have him honorable mention because he is not a true running back, I would argue. The other one that I would have, and this is, there is only one reason, and you actually articulated the same as I did. Najee Harris, I will will say that probably by 2023, I would have as one number one or number two. He is absolutely capable. He is going to be the brunt workhorse for that offense as Kenny Pickett becomes acclimated. The only concern is that going into training camp, he did look a little bit on the heavy side. So we need to see how that goes, especially for injuries early in the season. So that's the only real concern that I have. But is if everything goes the way it did last year, Najee Harris is what going to be number one or Alabama number two running backs. And they're slumping up in the offseason, man. Big like fellas. Eddie Lacy in Green Bay, remember? <laughs> uh, Trent Richardson yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, man, like, I remember. It just seems like... I, Southern I, cooking, I, I guess, I guess so. that's all it is. Uh, I had one more honorable mention, and that's Christian McCaffrey, because I it is Thank very you. tough to put... And listen, when he's healthy, he's probably one of the most dynamic running backs in the league, but he cannot stay on the field long Mm. enough. He's like Austin Eckler. I I disagree with you on that. No, but he really, he is. For one thing, I would argue he's not really a true running back, for one. And number two, the injuries are worse, much worse than Austin Eckler's are. And I'll be honest, out of between the two of them, with careers, who would you rather have right now, Austin Eckler or Christian McCaffrey? Carolina already told you they wanted to get rid of him. So how good is he really if his team, who is already bereft of talent, wants to ship him out of town? They're rebuilding. They wanted. Derrick Henry was also on a rebuilding team, but they kept him along, and because he actually stayed on the field, McCaffrey did. Availability is a skill it's, that is extremely important as, as we go through this back. list. Especially as a running back in the NFL. Or a fake running well, back. Well, he's an honorable mention, Dylan. He's not in the top five. Can you relax a little bit? I can argue even if you have the fake th- list. What? Yeah, he's on the fake list. Honorable mention, right? They didn't earn it, but we're making fake. up extra spots. Yeah, we go to the top. But now we go to uh, number five. Let's go to (laughs) the top five running backs. I'm going to let you start with your 
who's the fifth best running back in your eyes heading into 2022? This is a guy that where injuries have really hindered where he is up here because Dalvin Cook, when he is healthy, is exceptional. It feels very similar in the way that Adrian Peterson's prime was wasted by Minnesota as well. And it's, I don't even know what the word is for this. Just incredible, to be honest, that Minnesota has had Adam Thielen, Stephon they have Justin Diggs. Jefferson, yeah. and they had Stefan Diggs, those three receivers, and they had prime Dalvin Cook. And he has had a few years now where he's been playing at least half, which starting his career, you would have never thought would have happened. And still, they what did they have to show for it? A kind of fake NFC title appearance that wouldn't have happened if a safety decided right. not to press up on the arsenic. So <laughs> with that in mind, that's why I have him fifth. I'll be honest, if he was healthy or if there was an actual quarterback on his side, yeah. maybe he'd be higher. I don't know. I, out of all the guys that are on here, what if is the thing that yeah, would define so what if, I, I definitely think I think quarterback play is a huge aspect of Cook. I actually have Cook one spot higher than you do. I have him at four, and I have Alvin go. Kamara at five. And I know I already hear your argument. He's not mm. a true running back. He's like a slot back. He doesn't get to. He, you don't get to count him on this he list is. because he's a slot back, and all he does is <laughs> catch the ball on the backfield. Okay, you know what? Fine. But for you're getting ready to do a show <laughs> about fantasy football. He's listed as a running back. I can put him on the running back list. There's no slot back <laughs> list on fantasy football that's fine but what's where's his value come from the fact that he runs the ball or the fact that he catches if the hole's big enough he busts some runs (laughs) oh fantastic i did in middle school too that's not saying much i just think that the type of player and the dynamic player that he is and his ability to get the ball past the line of scrimmage and make things happen whether it is tossed or it is handed to mm. him, makes him a top five running back mm. in the NFL. You did say with the specification of 2022, and there is an no elephant suspension. in the room that you're not mentioning. There you go. So with that in mind, I rest my case. We Which you to told me is not really going to take into account that much. <laughs> that really doesn't matter that much. Which like, so thank you for setting me up so you can have that got you moment. But still, at the end of the day, I know who you're getting ready to say is your number four. I don't dislike him. I just, mm, mm. maybe it's a A5B thing between the guy that you're getting ready to mention and Kamara. But go ahead. Who's your number four? I already said my number four. My Okay, so Cook. you had Cook number four. My number four is on a team that actually won things, which definitely matters which is Joe Mixon being a phenomenal back in a single back system, which for anybody, not to down talk, just to clarify. So Cincinnati just does not run with a fullback. They don't do it. It's not part of their system. Everything is either out of the gun, single back, something, a variation of that kind, pistol, obviously, as well. And Joe Mixon is obviously has a lot more responsibility on that front. Pass pass protection-wise, it is on him. There is no fullback to help him out with that. He obviously is a very good receiving back as well. Pretty much, to be fair, as much as I joke about as much as I joke about the fallback part of it, catching is some They are not allowed to be on this list. (laughs) It is runners only. It is more that when your worth is entirely dependent on that stat, and so 
Joe Mixon, you look at his numbers with that in mind in a scheme that is not a run-heavy scheme for one. It, it, that's part of it. One thing that obviously is a calculus there, he's not a good person, which to be honest, I don't care when it comes to this. Not to be callous, but they're football players. None of them are very good people. And so if we were going to do that, there's there's allegations about Dalvin Cook and all these people. So that if that's part of your determination, whether Joe Mixon is worthy or not, or if for fantasy purposes, you draft him, yeah. I think it's a foolish move. But again, better system, better running back, Papa yeah, John. I, uh, I think the most impressive thing about Mixon, and I'm not mad that you put him on your list and I left him off. Like I made my list. I take responsibility for it. Their offensive line was not good last year. That helps, especially when he doesn't have right. the help of a fullback system. No eye formation, no true power. Good call it for. Good call it for. <laughs> Who do you got at three? Not to, I was going to say, not to double you up here, but this is where I am. I actually am going to, I'm just going to say it. You're going to lead after that because of where you have this person. I have Derrick Henry number three. Controversy abounds. You do Let's get to it. have him at three, um, which I understand the potential of putting your number two at number one above Derrick Henry. Like, I get that. And I'm not, like, upset at it. I just think if I'm going to scheme an offense that is slanted towards the run game, Derrick Henry is going to be (laughs) the back that I would put in that backfield because he is a very tough runner. Now, I will say, I don't necessarily like his running style all the time. Because Speak to it, because that's what I was going to say. So expand yes, we've on seen that. the stiff arm. He put, who was it, Josh Norman in, in an early grave. And it's impressive. And it's impressive. Sure. Uh... But he runs way too high. And I, he's, I think he's what, is he like 6'2", 6'3"? Extremely high. He's already a big dude. Taller look no, right now, I got it pulled up. Yeah, okay, he's so, six, three, I mean, he's, six, three. so he's already abnormally tall for a running back nowadays. I think the last, not the last, but when I think about, like, tall Whoop. running backs, Eddie George comes to mind, right? Six foot three, same kind of, same. But yes. Eddie also did not run as high as Derrick Henry does. and No, not at all. He runs high, and that's why ankle problems, right? You could see knee problems because he's not running low enough with his pad level, but he's still been extremely dominant. Extremely dominant. I appreciate... Okay. I appreciate you saying that, and obviously there is an aspect of this where you do have to throw in the Ryan Tannehill aspect of this of why they didn't advance further. Also, I think Mike Vrabel is actually a very bad football coach. He's lost them way too many games. However... You cannot deny that he actually does come up small when it actually matters. Because of the fact that he does run so high, he is nowhere near as shifty. Yes, obviously, he can throw guys off of him, and everybody freaks out about those stiff arms. But when you're not going up against corners, he's not clowning around with defensive linemen. The good defensive linemen are going to take him down. And you saw that in Cincinnati, or not in Cincinnati, but against Cincinnati, where how effective really is he in his postseason games when he's not going up against completely inept defenses? And obviously Cincinnati wasn't any great shakes. I just, I don't respect it because it feels the same as OBJ. 
where OBJ obviously is every has every talent in the world to be incredible, but when your entire game is based around flash rather than actual skill and prowess of the actual position, I don't respect you when it comes to creating an actual running scheme. Like you said, I don't want to create a running scheme for Derrick Henry. I have no confidence that'll hit the hole because what he'll feel like is he'll bounce outside of the hole and think that he can just run over cornerbacks. And instead, if there's anybody with even a little amount of speed, like a Los Angeles Rams, where you have someone like a Bobby Wagner or Darius Leonard or whomever, like, I just I don't want to see my running back not actually you, do the things that a running back's about. And I think it's a valid point. But I think you might be overstating the not showing up in big moments thing. And the reason why I say that you're overstating it is because of who his quarterback is. And I know you mentioned it. I know you touched on it. But when there is not a threat of the quarterback beating you and you can load a box up with seven, eight guys if you have to, that does make Derrick Henry's job that much harder. However with the two individuals that I have ahead of him, because to be fair, this is, uh, this is based on rankings of a top five. I am not stating that obviously that Derrick Henry is some scrub that I wouldn't have in a top five system. So, so this is compared to his peers that I have above him to be clear. However, I would also, again, in the postseason 21, 20 rushing attempts, 62 yards. If he's really as good as you say, then I don't really see how in the playoffs against Cincinnati's defense that he has 3.1 average yards per carry. To see what type of defensive scheme. I can't remember what they ran, but I... Oh, they did prob- They did load the box and Tannehill did miss throws. I'm not ignoring that aspect of it. But they, I would argue the two individuals I have above him would Maybe. still excel. I mean, we both have these guys in our – our top three is the same, just ordered slightly different. different really, order. truthfully, yeah. it's just oh, replacing I... my one with your two. And, yeah, yeah really, that's it. <laughs> you, like, you tried. I tried. You I moved my one you. down to three so, and bumped your other two up. That's basically what it was. Yeah. Pretty much. So we're in agreement yes, on who the top it, yeah, three yeah, quarterbacks so are. Like that. Or running backs are. Sorry. Who the top three or running backs running are back. going into 2022. Yeah. So who do you have at number two? Number so, two is going to be Nick Chubb going into last year was number one. He is phenomenal if you give every consideration to everything we just talked about. If you are an individual who trashes Baker Mayfield, then you cannot right. ignore 100%. Nick Chubb's production. You can't. There is no way around that. If you are going to have that, and then I, because I know I can almost feel it that there is going to be a tangible connection between individuals who like Derrick Henry and also hate Baker Mayfield. I, it's just that is a logical stream of consciousness. And if that is your opinion, and I appreciate that that's the case, Nick Chubb, I would argue, has done better with that because Ryan Tannehill is definitely a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield, I would argue. And on top of that, he also was in a system that had did not have A.J. Brown, did not have, obviously, yeah. Julio Jones. Yeah, getting the hit or miss on that. But you, did, you had a quarterback who, beyond 25 yards, isn't very accurate. 
and you just it, it just excelled in every way. There is nobody who hits a hole better than he does, except for my number one. He, he has everything about the fundamentals of the position in actual fundamentals that matter. It, you talk about pad level, right? That's the that's the thing the high school running back coaches talk about and scream at all the time. Nick Chubb's pad level's phenomenal, yeah. way better than Derrick Henry's is. So that's why I've I have Nick Jonathan Chubb Taylor number two. Which I know irks you a little bit. Uh, I had Chubb three, so I, I, so I listen, don't so you, think this you, is you an arguable position. Screwed up the order because you told me to talk about Derrick Henry, who was my number one. And when we were talking about three, I had Nick Chubb at three because I, I mean, we talked about yeah. staying on the field being a skill, and when he's on the field, very consistently, a very good running back. I am always so mad when he is not on my fantasy team. Just it's just so same, irritating. Same. It's so irritating. But then you have Jonathan Taylor at number one. I have Jonathan Taylor at number two. And I so, do. talk to me about JT. Jonathan Taylor is absolutely, in his second year already, the best running back in the NFL. I'll be honest. I think it was funny. I don't know if you remember this or not, but going into the NFL draft, there were a lot of people who were like, he's not that good. He is. It's about Wisconsin. It's about the the system. All of this. Carries he had in college. He was there for I think three years, so he got a ton of carries in college. A lot of tread on the. He got a ton of touches. Yes. All understood. However, AJ, what? How does three hundred and thirty-two carries in a reliable. season sound? And also forty Not receptions bad. on top of that. Not bad. And again, I will not pretend in any way that Jonathan Wait, Taylor is even passes, remotely passes, close in style. Doesn't count. Any, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew that was coming for coming there. He is phenomenal at that. That that's great. The thing is, however, AJ, that I, that you could literally erase the yeah. entirety of his receiving, even though he had 360 yards, nine yards per average on his catches. He had 332 rushing attempts. Insanity, by the way. 1,811 yards. 5.5 yard that... average per carry. He is getting a first down yeah, every two plays. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Come on. But then again, you think about it. There I mean, is a reason the why. The didn't have any other you. choice but to hand him the ball because Carson West was our quarterback. But then I, that I obviously, know. but then I, that throws in the same vein as what we were saying with Derrick Henry. And Jonathan Taylor did much more. In that regard, everything that you want to give compliments to Derrick Henry, and in in certain regards, rightfully, Jonathan Taylor did more of, did a lot more of. Jonathan Taylor, I just, if you look at actually when he's running, you see his field vision is, there is no one close. His field vision is phenomenal. In the open field, he runs exceptionally well, not necessarily looking for contact, trying to get as many yards as he can. Again, a 5.5 carry average, I don't know if if everybody understands, especially with how many carries he had. That is that is like, not. I don't want to obviously go to the cliche of Barry levels because he isn't as shifty, but that is still of that level to where when Barry was cool, running the ball, you not, knew it was going to be a first down. A it's the same thing. You know what I'm saying? Five yards of carry is what he also got his rookie season. In a, a hundred less carries, too. 
That's so, true. You're right. Jonathan Taylor, you're, you're right. I'm wrong. Jonathan Taylor should be number one. I shouldn't have put Henry up there. Shouldn't have done it. Jonathan Taylor is Jonathan Taylor is going to be the number one draft pick by a mile. He's way more deserving than Christian McCaffrey's been yeah. in these last few years because of his durability. He has 564 yeah, carries in two seasons. Now, that is concerning three, four years from now. I am very concerned about that, but we're talking about 22. And with that in mind, Henry's on the backslide where – Let's say that Henry's decline Fast. starts now. It's going to be heavy, and it's going to get ugly. And it is. Jonathan Taylor, the only reason is because he's going to have, like, Le'Veon Bell at Michigan right. State. He just is the entire team. And I just, I, again, for folks at home, watch his highlights and how he is seeing and diagnosing. He is basically diagnosing the play as it is happening in a way I haven't seen from a back in a long time. I honestly don't know of a guy who has been this exceptionally good at being able to make yeah. something out of You're me. right. Your list is better than mine. <laughs> I'm not afraid to admit that. <laughs> I, your list is better than mine. Oh, so, yeah, so I Dylan, appreciate it. That's our top five running backs heading into 2022. We are super pumped. Yes about your show mm-hmm. that is going to be starting on debuting on friday so we'll be looking for that if yes. you want to win your tips for your draft basketball baseball leagues you're going to want to tune in to oh. you play fantasy <laughs> hockey too i did actually yeah. that was the well, very first fantasy covered, sport guys. i ever played so make sure that you are tuning in because he will (laughs) give you a lot of great information to help you build a winner. But right now we're going to sign off of beyond the box. Dylan, I appreciate your attendance and filling in for me. And absolutely. I will see you guys next week on another episode of beyond the box. When we rank wide receivers, the worst and least position, least valuable position in the NFL. We will see you guys next week.